Welcome to the Alabama Literacy Networks podcast, which is designed to share information and best practices for literacy in the state of Alabama. We represent various groups working on literacy in the state. We hope to bring a wide variety of resources together to help school leaders, teachers, and parents so that all children read at high levels. We believe that literacy is a fundamental right that is tied to so many positive outcomes that we want for the citizens of Alabama. This podcast was brought to you by Bright Spot Ed LLC, an educational consulting company based in Alabama, providing consulting, professional learning, evaluation services, and resources. Our goal is to highlight the good and replicate it across education. Check us out at brightspoted.com. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Bell Smith. Today, we will be talking to Dr. Joseph Roy, Superintendent of Bethlehem Area School District in Pennsylvania. The work of the district has been recognized on a national level for improving students' reading as part of a plan to increase equity and justice for all students, regardless of their socioeconomic status or other factors such as race or ethnicity. They gained national attention on improvement in reading through Emily Hanford's series, Hard Words. Dr. Rory was recognized as Pennsylvania's Superintendent of the Year in 2017 after taking over the Bethlehem School District in 2010, when the district had fallen on hard times financially. Under his leadership, they were able to be the first school district in the Lehigh Valley to offer full-day kindergarten, offer Spanish classes to all elementary students, and he has fought against charter schools taking money away from public schools. He has also been recognized by Franklin Covey for his district's work with Leader in Me. Welcome, Dr. Roy. We are so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. So can you start by telling us how you became involved in this literacy work? So, you know, over time, our district has had a hard time getting traction in the area of literacy and truly building uh, reading skills and having kids have secure skills by the end of third grade. So we began to focus on that. First, when a school was uh, a Title I designated school, forgetting the exact title, uh, that received uh, extra support, financial support. Through that, we began the work of really focusing on literacy and doing the training around in the science of reading. And then with the success of that school, it, we moved it across all 16 of our elementaries. That's pretty powerful data if you take what you're seeing in one situation and then spread it throughout your whole district. Yeah, and it was a high-need school. So when you see the positive results at a school with, you know, children with uh, coming from greater challenges, uh, it was a, a clear sign to all of our schools that this can work. I think the bigger one area was schools from our areas that are more solidly middle class, upper middle class, they may not have seen the need at first because the thought was, hey, you know, our kids are doing okay. Uh, so we had to overcome that. And that was overcome initially when the initial school outscored, outperformed our usually highest performing school, which is in, a, in the suburban part of our district. That, that's when people started to really uh, sit up and pay attention, I think. I love it. So when I first heard you speak, the thing that immediately uh, drew me to your work was your statement that teaching children to read is part of the social justice work that your district is doing. What can you tell us about this aspect of your work and approach with literacy? We've invested a lot of time and thinking around, you know, equity and anti-racism and social justice work. 
And there is definitely a place for looking at policies and doing anti-bias training and culturally relevant instruction training. But, and, and I guess we were focusing on that. And then, you know, through that work, I realized, you know, we want to talk about what the role of schools in helping particularly students of color overcome barriers of race uh, and uh, socioeconomics, that notion of social justice. You know, we talked a lot about, hey, reading reading by grade three is a critical indicator of future success, right? The graduating from high school. And so what, and then we take the next step that high school diploma is a critical uh, indicator of future job success, college access, and so forth. And so you really start back at the beginning. I describe it as the most important social justice work that we're doing is the early literacy, because if we can empower kids uh, with the literacy skills, then they'll be better positioned to overcome other challenges that may face them related to poverty, housing, you know, moving around a lot. If you're moving from school to school or district to district, at least if you have secure uh, reading skills, you know, you're going to be able to step in academically. It's not something can't be taken away from you. So, yeah, so I really believe that, you know, we see kids that come in that are already, quote, behind in their reading development skills in kindergarten, a large percentage of our kids, about six and 10. And if you don't close those gaps early, it becomes harder and harder to close the, the literacy gaps. And we're even seeing that now. In fact, talking with the uh, the head of the partner uh, consulting firm that we work with, step-by-step uh, -step learning, he, his description to me was he doesn't even like to say reading by grade three. He likes to now say reading by grade one. Like we have to, let's come out of grade one with those really strong skills because the faster we close the gaps, the, well, one, the easier it is and the longer lasting the benefits. Great. So just thinking about how do you even measure the results of this equity work and whether you've been able to see any results in the area of equity already, or do you think that that will take some time to show up? No, we've seen, uh, you know, we've been at this for, I think, five years now. Now, of course, last year with COVID, we lost the last quarter plus of the year and this year, not in the same circumstances, but we're still seeing progress. And what, what we've seen clearly is that the percentage of children that are at or above our grade level benchmarks has increased significantly. So one example of that, if we look at a kindergarten class from a few years ago, that was, I think only, four, it was 44% of students. So about four in 10 students were ready to go when they came in. So six and 10 were behind. At the beginning of second grade, this is last year's data, at the beginning, second, last year's second graders, when we did the beginning of the year benchmarking, 72% of them were at or above where they needed to be. So that's a dramatic change for those children that are in there. And, and about 60% of our students are students of color and 60% free reduced lunch. 
So those are that that that's a big difference. That makes that makes a lot. What we've seen this year is then we've also seen that the summer slump or the summer slide has been reduced. We still see it, but it has been reduced and we see the kids come back quickly. Uh, so with the skills are embedded, I think, in them, they have it. They just need to reactivate it. We even saw that this fall, we came back in a hybrid model. So we only have kids in school two days a week. We split them. So, you know, they're in two days a week for each group. And they hadn't been in school, of course, since March. And uh, even in the two days a week, we're seeing the kids' skills rebound pretty quickly. The one advantage of two days a week is the class sizes are really small. Uh, so the teachers can really focus on those kids with the, that direct literacy instruction. So that's been a positive. What we've also seen is students who were in the highest skill category, they really held on to what, those skills. The downside and the danger to this pandemic has been that kids who were not as strong as we would have wanted, they they fell the most. So the message that we're reinforcing with teachers is, again, evidence it works. If we get the skills embedded in the kids, then they can even write, in a sense, write out a lull in the way we would want to do things educationally. Well, that is some very promising information just about the lack of regression in in kids over the summer. And then hopefully you will see some of that even with the pandemic. So I know your district has trained teachers with letters. For our listeners, that stands for Language Essentials for Teachers of Reading and Spelling. Can you tell us about this training and the impact it has had on teachers and students and your district as a whole? Sure. So over the last 15 years or so that, you know, brain research has really taught us a lot about how humans learn to read. And I always start at the beginning that, you know, we don't teach kids how to speak, right? They pick up oral language as they grow up in those early years. But reading is not a natural human thing that you just pick up. You have to be taught it. You have to be taught that these letters stand and these combinations of letters stand for specific sounds. These symbol letters are symbols that stand for sounds and those sounds go together to make the words that make up our language. So I think the, we call it the science of reading because now based on brain research, we know a lot more about how humans learn to read. That is information that Teachers had not been taught, even the more recent graduates out of college had not been taught it. Our veteran teachers had not, because it was, you know, relatively new research, were not familiar, even reading specialists. And it's hard. I mean, like this was intensive training, multiple, multiple sessions. It was a lot of time out of classes for teachers. Principals learned elbow to elbow with the teachers as well. So it was a significant investment of time and money on the part of training the teachers. But what they came out of was true understanding of of research-based science of reading. And then they could start to put that together in their classrooms on teaching and also on troubleshooting when students were having challenges. One of the the key pieces, I think, of, of our training was not only multiple days of training over time, 
but embedded coaching. So they could be taught specific skills and strategies. They would learn it. And then we had embedded coaches that would go in to the classrooms and work with the teachers on that. And so it was not the once and done training that we always get criticized for in education. This was ongoing, embedded over time, over a couple of years. And it was really, that's what I think drove the impact. So I listened as you talked about principals being elbow to elbow in this. Can you talk a little bit about the leadership component of rolling out something this large and supporting it through the leadership in, at the district level and at the school level too? Yes. So, I mean, it's critical. Nothing happens without good leadership. And we decided that we spent an entire year just training the principals, the elementary principals through the letters training. And, you know, our elementary principals, some of them were K-1-2 teachers. Many, many are not. Uh, They were upper level elementary or even middle school teachers. And middle school assistant principals, several of them were before they became elementary principals. So the teaching of reading was not in their wheelhouse. So this was like, this was heavy duty learning on going through the trainings. So the content was huge, was was the learnings. But what we also did parallel to that and ongoing to this day was leadership training. So there was, and this again is working with step-by-step learning uh, trainers and consultants. We spent a lot of time on the change process, on managing change, leading change, tied directly to the literacy initiative, anticipating challenges, what, you know, anticipate, well, what do we think teachers' reaction to this is going to be? How are we going to respond to it? What are you going, we literally did simulations where We had people uh, practice, principals practice, okay, when the teacher raises this question, how are we going to respond to it? Or raises this concern, how are we going to respond to it? And so so we we role-played it uh, to train. So it, it was not just the heavy lift of the content. It was also the change management and the leadership of it that we tried to support the principals through. And we made monthly our, we continue to meet monthly with principals for a half a day, our elementary principals on, at this point, it's more the, the, the change management and the leadership piece. That sounds like a very proactive approach that has really worked. And one of the positives, we have 16 uh, principals. We also put them into small groups. We just, we divided them in, into uh groups of four, so that then they have they have a small group, they would do school visits, visit each other's school, help do observ- observations, walkthroughs. Uh, when we knew that there was a really strong teacher in one school, they could send someone who was struggling over to watch that person. So, and we mixed the teams over the years. We keep them together for a couple of years. And that has really helped build a lot of much closer relationships amongst principals. In fact, one of the common themes that we heard in doing end of year evaluations this year and conversations with principals was how much they valued the relationships with their other principals because they spent a lot of time together with the training. And then in their smaller groups as well, being an elementary principal is lonely because you're usually the only administrator in the school. 
And so this has broken those barriers. So one of the, I guess, unintended consequences, but positive consequences has been the, the relationships. Uh, they know they can lean on each other. They know who's strong in what areas. They know who to call with a question and beyond literacy for just managing the, being a leader in general of a school. The amount of time they spent together uh, and working together through a really hard challenge, this literacy work has brought that team together. And as we've had new principals come in, it has helped, you know, we put them through the training, but they also know that they're um, part of a larger cohort to call up and ask the questions when they're trying to be leading an initiative that maybe they haven't been trained in yet. yet. You have to lean on your colleagues. I agree. And as a former elementary principal where I was the only administrator in the building, it is one of the most challenging jobs. I still say that being a principal was the hardest job I ever had and uh, have been in district leadership and a couple of different systems. And still the principalship was the hardest thing I ever did. So I applaud you uh, for building that in for them. Yeah, they're good. We've talked a little bit about um, the COVID effect already that that you've seen and how, fortunately, it's been a little less dramatic maybe than you had expected. What kind of plans has your system made on the learning loss that may eventually show up because of this continued process that we have? Well, because of the very scientific and diagnostic approach that we're using to this to skill development we're able to know you know okay what are the the uh, multiplier effect skills that if you get the if you master this skill it makes others the upcoming skills easier to master and knowing what we because each grade level is very detailed in the scope and sequence and very detailed we knew what essential skills were missed in the spring. And so what we spent a lot of time over the summer focusing in on, okay, what, what do we know we didn't get to teach in the way we wanted to by grade level based on the weeks that were missed? And then coming back with only two days a week, say, look, it was a challenge for teachers to do everything we were asking them to do when we had, when they, we had five days a week. So we wanted to assure the teachers, look, we're not trying to do everything. We narrowed it down, working with our best teachers and our curriculum people and our and our uh, consultants. What are the essential skills at each grade level that we're going to focus on first mark and period second mark by grade level? So we tried to you know narrow the focus. Look, we can't do everything, so let's not try to. Let's do the essential well. And that has been, that's a tough one for teachers because they do want to do everything. Now that we've trained them and they have been implementing and finding success doing the whole program, it's a hard, that, that is hard to wrap your head around not doing it all. But that's the reality of it, unfortunately, in this era. So we've identified the essential skills and we're focusing on that. And again, we, we're very scripted on What's happening this week? What's happening this day? What's happening within the language arts block on each day? And so, but by by doing that, we know we're focusing on those skills we think are most critical. I'm anxious to see what the mid-year number, our mid-year numbers look like and how much of a bounce back there has been. 
What does it look like compared to last year's mid-year numbers? We'll, we'll see how this strategy is working. The anecdotal feedback I get from teachers is that once the kids are in, were engaged, that they, they saw things come, skills come back. Now, the difference is we're not pushing ahead as fast, or not as fast, but as comprehensively, because they're only there two days a week. Now, on the off days, you know, we have, we're fortunate because we have good instructional resources online. The, the students have, they have access to, the, so they're off day, they're, we call it the off stage day when they're at home. They have very aligned work for them to do and to practice those skills, including writing and listening skills, because they can listen to a story, for example, and reading. We're not trying to replicate on the offstage days an in-school lesson. We want them to build on, you know, work on the skills that the teacher had worked with them the day prior, and then they're back in with the teacher the next day. I've seen districts that are trying to uh, broadcast a class live and try to make the home experience, well, again, what we call the offstage experience, the same as the onstage. We don't think that works and you shouldn't try to duplicate the in-class experience when the child's not in class, but by having that hybrid approach, you uh, balance the onstage days and the offstage days so they reinforce each other. Sounds like a very systematic plan and knowing that you really did that with the literacy block and the instruction in general, that doesn't surprise me that you came up with that method. We are very, uh, very detailed and and there are, there are teachers and, and probably some principals too that feel like we're being too scripted, but for continuity, for making sure we're implementing with fidelity and honestly, when a crisis hits, like we're dealing with right now, it's pretty nice to know, no, 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 here, we have a game plan. We know exactly what's going to happen on every day. We know what we didn't get to. We know how we're going to identify essential skills, as opposed to having what was the case years past, 16 elementary schools, all kind of on the same page, but kind of not. There's no way we could feel that we had a grip on things at this at the early literacy level in this crisis environment since March if we weren't doing what we were doing. So we were fortunate in that in that sense. I think fortunate uh, is the result of very good leadership and good planning. So. Stick with it. That's the you know like that's our thing is you know we don't want to be changing targets all you know like you come up with what you want to achieve and then and then be boring and just repeat, repeat after me and stick with it. This is what we're focused on. That's so true. We joke that my assistant superintendent, who's been Jack Silva, who's been the dynamo behind planning the details of this. We say, you know, we're boring. Jack and Joe, we're bo- like, we're boring. Just we, we were, stick to the game plan, push ahead and uh, be relentless on that. Well, unfortunately, that is oftentimes what is needed to see the results that you've seen. And so I applaud you for being boring and for sticking to your plans. Obviously, we are far away from each other, Pennsylvania and Alabama, but I have so enjoyed learning from you in our short time that we've known each other. But what could you share as far as lessons learned about this literacy process that you could share with us? 
Well, I think one of the things that we're just referring to, sticking with the plan, like if, if, if you believe that the science of reading can make a difference in students' learning and reading skills, and then the leadership has to drive from the top, the, your school board has to be recognized that this is important because we invested a lot of money, you know, we've put a lot towards this. And so you have to have that, you have to be able to, like the top has to be bought in and then, and I think by getting the principal buy-in and then staying focused on the training and, and really supporting the teachers. So, you know, we, they have the training, they have the coaching, they have the material, they have the time. And so building out really every Every piece of it is aligned to get students to a better place reading-wise. And I think you have to have that alignment and then stick with it over time. So we've been fortunate. You know, I've been here a while. My leadership team has been here a while. We have school board stability. So we have a lot of positives going with us. And I think that that allows you to have that focus over time. Those are wise words. I love just the whole idea of reading by grade one. I may have to um, start getting that printed up on things. When I heard that, I thought, oh, yes, the faster you do it, because we we know and we see it. I mean, you can look at the student data that when the student is lagging uh, with skills each year that goes by, it's harder to move those kids up to the grade level. So um, we'll, we'll continue to work on it. And at one of our middle schools, we're piloting some work and really looking at the kids that have benefited through this literacy will start to go into middle school next year. So the middle schools still have children that haven't gone through this intense literacy work. We're trying to apply some of the lessons learned with kids there to see at, the, at that older level to try to close gaps. That sounds like the uh, subject of our next podcast with you. <laughs> another year and another year or so after we have some uh, experience under our belt. Well, certainly I want to to follow up with you just on you know, what your mid-year results are and yep. stay in touch with you because we know that you are a leader to learn from. And we are so thankful that you took time for us here today. I appreciate what you've done for the children uh, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania and across the state and uh, we will continue to watch the awesome things that you're doing. Thank you so much. much. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. I really appreciate it. It is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.